Hey, I'd like to welcome you to another episode of Mission Matters. My name is Adam Torres, and if you'd like to apply to be a guest in the show, just head on over to missionmatters.com and click on Be Our Guest to Apply. All right, so today I have Sean Moss-Poltz on the line, and he is co-founder and CEO of Bitmark. Sean, welcome to the show. Thank you, Adam. All right, Sean, so uh, excited to get into today's topic. So we're going to do a deep dive into Bitmark, um, which is your blockchain startup and where you're trying to uh, really bring traditional property rights into the digital age. And we're going to talk about how you're doing that. Um, But before we do, we'll start this episode the way that we start them all with our Mission Matters Minute. So, Sean, we at Mission Matters, we amplify stories for entrepreneurs, executives, and experts. That's our mission. Sean, what mission matters to you? Yeah, that's actually a great way to segment even into what we do. So, I started Bitmark back in 2014 with the singular purpose of bringing digital property rights into the world. So, property rights are a bit like oxygen. You don't notice them until they're gone. They originally were created for land. So the ownership of land used to be just kings and queens and churches. And around the 12th century, individual people got rights to be able to own land. That became a massive asset class, as anybody that does real estate would tell you. A similar thing happened with intellectual property. So patents, trademarks, and copyrights. Again, those were things that the king and queen would grant their, their friends. And Now we find ourselves in the digital age, but almost everything that's created or generated on the internet doesn't have property rights. And so that's why we started Bitmark. The mission, if you will, is to enable digital property rights so people can grow real wealth as opposed to just being kind of renting or leasing things. And it's a great topic and uh, great to have you on as, as an expert in this space. And uh, before we get further into, into Bitmark and what you do there, maybe just give us a little bit more about your background and just, and just kind of how you got into entrepreneurship. Yeah. So this is actually my second company, Bitmark. My first company uh, was making an open source mobile phone. And what's the same about both of these things is that there's some problem that I stumble upon. Um mm-hmm. In the case of the phone, I was working on uh, very low-cost mobile phones in uh, the Asia area, um, Taiwan, China, kind of that market. And we kept making these phones, and um, we were using these really weird operating systems. And I thought that somebody should put Linux on it because, I mean, the hardware capacity of the phone was already roughly what a computer was. And I was running Linux on my computer, and it made no sense why we would have such crappy things on our phones. This was back in 2006. And so this is um, pre-iPhone, yeah? <laughs> Pre-iPhone, pre-Android. Yes, yes. Wow. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was a good run. Um, yeah. uh, we weren't successful financially, but a lot of the code that we created for our phone is still, still lives on in uh, Android phones. Mm. And then in the case of Bitmark, sort of a different story, but... Uh, quite common. There's a lot of commonality between the two. So mm. I think of myself as an engineer that loves to build things, but I'm also the son of a lawyer. My dad does estate planning. Mm. And I got married 2012, 13, and my wife got pregnant. And my dad wanted to make a trust because he said that's what people do. Like when you have assets, you put assets in trust. So something happens to you, um, there, there's a succession plan. 
And the assets I wanted to put into the trust were digital things like my ebooks, my music, my Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And my dad said that all of the digital things that I thought I owned, all these books, these music, I didn't actually own. I had a license to. And then the things I did own, the Bitcoin, he had no idea what to do with because they don't, like, you don't have property rights to Bitcoin. The state doesn't know what to do with that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You can't have a lawyer call up a bank and say, hey, give me that person's Bitcoin. And yeah. so that was... Another, um, and, and this problem, like, why can't you own digital things? That was another sort of one of these moments, like these aha moments that I should start, like, I should fix that. That's something that, that would be a heck of a lot better future if people could create real wealth through ownership in the digital environment. Wow. What, what an amazing story and what a, uh, a, another blessing outside of the marriage, right? Like, like got married and then you find your next <laughs> <Yeah>. thing, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you ask like kind of the entrepreneurial side, mm-hmm. I would call myself a reluctant businessman. So I yeah. only build something if I feel nobody else is doing it and it just has to be made because gosh, I mean, it is such suffering making a company. Like it is so uh. difficult. It's awesome. so hard. I, yeah. Uh, yeah, yes, it is. And it's funny because like I'll ask, uh, I ask many of my guests, like, you know, their thoughts on, you know, for future entrepreneurs or things or people that want to do this. And what's funny is that this is, you know, a show many entrepreneurs and executives listen to, but it's funny because it's almost like the anti-entrepreneur show. I've almost got, <laughs> I've got people that said literally, I think what the, the, one of the founders of Mrs. Seals cookie was like, cookies was like, you have to be mentally insane or something. I mean, they're all of these, like <laughs> we get to be an entrepreneur this is definitely not the fluff show where it all works it's all like <laughs> it's all um uh do it so that you can live your passion and your dream yeah no this work like if you want to build a company you want to make a difference you want to go out there and add real value to the marketplace that lasts possibly generations or beyond yourself and your immediate moment in time it's going to take work so <laughs> i love your story for that and the and the honesty yeah. really <laughs> yeah yeah. Um, so I want to let's go a little bit further along um, in Bitmark. So um, uh, owning property rights, I think you gave a great example just now, um, which is essentially, you know, if any for anybody out there is creating a state plan and never if maybe mm-hmm. when they did originally could have been a long time ago and they didn't really have many digital assets or maybe they didn't know how to handle them or, you know, what that looked like. So let's continue maybe with that along with that example and analogy like so. Pre-Bitmark, it was the situation that you were in, obviously, which you you, you explained pretty clearly. So now, um, with you know with Bitmark here, like tell us how that experience can be improved. Oh, you bet. So the original problem that I thought we were going to solve was that there would be like an upswelling sort of a movement of individual people claiming ownership over their their data, um, for example, their Facebook data, uh, just claiming ownership over digital things. And what I did not see coming at all, mm-hmm. and what I think is just actually fantastic, is everything that's happened in digital art in the last couple of years, where you've had this, this, this um, uh, movement in art that really goes back to the 1960s, but it was always marginalized, always sort of kept out of the institutions, the museums, the galleries. Mm-hmm. And 
largely thanks to COVID and the cross-pollination of people that saw their wealth increase on the cryptocurrency side and wanted digital things to buy and artists that um, had all this extra time because maybe the, you know, their, their day job that they had to try to maintain their studio was shut down. And you had these two circles, these two Venn diagrams, if you will, that normally would never even mix um, overlapped. And it went from arguably like a million dollar market to um, around $15 billion market in a year. And $15 billion represents 10, 15, 20% of the entire art market. And it's growing like exponential right now. And so with a lot of things, people first feel that the legacy systems will come in. So there's new technology. You think, okay, the legacy um, people that, that have um, unplanned assets that are digital. Okay. That's what people don't want to register first. That's what's going to take off, but it's almost never that it's always something that looks like a toy looks like mm-hmm. um, comes from left field. And that's what catches you by surprise. And then I just feel blessed that our team was um, receptive enough and we just ran with this. But I really feel like art and artists are going to be the, the way that the, the, the next generation of people outside of people that are really obsessed with, say, finance and trading and things mm-hmm. like that, which is a small percentage of the people. But mm-hmm. it's the creative side. It's the artists, the musicians. Um, they will be the ones that will show the rest of the world um, what is possible with digital ownership. So that's that's where we find ourselves today. It's very much in that, wow, it's the artists that are going to show digital ownership to everyday people. And that's where we operate right now. Mm. So tell us a little bit more about the platform and how, how to use it. Sure. So we have two products. One is uh, an online art gallery and a publisher. And so this is really a different take. Um, it's highly curated. We put together two, roughly two shows per month of groups of artists. And the artwork can be all kinds of formats. Um, uh, can be video, could be software, could be 3D sculptures, digital sculptures. That one we launched last year. It's done around $20 million in GTV. It's, it's changed a number of artists' life. Um, I keep hearing great stories about artists that have paid off mortgages, bought cars for their, you know, for their mom and dad. Just, just an, an exceptionally um, in, uh, inspirational story of what's happening on that side. And mm. around the end of last year, it occurred to me that because I was also collecting this art myself, it occurred to me that the what are known as crypto wallets, so this is the way that people actually hold on to these digital assets. Mm-hmm. The crypto wallets were created for cryptocurrencies, of course, and also created for DeFi. I don't know if your listeners know about DeFi, but it's this sort of new way of uh, doing finance that's just absolutely um, going exponential right now. And but it couldn't be any more different than the way people are used to looking at things like Instagram or TikTok. And so I felt there was a massive opportunity for somebody to make a wallet that would be first about the artwork, the NFTs, first about this visual side that everyday people really can get, can get excited about. And then, sure, like powering that stuff was all of the blockchain technology and the um, cryptocurrencies and the tokens and those sorts of things, but that wouldn't really be exposed that much to people. They would just 
be able to experience how great the artwork was. So that's our mm-hmm. second product, and that product is called Autonomy. So we kind of think of these almost like peanut butter and jelly. They go together. They help each other out. But I believe that, that everyday people will um, will understand the importance of blockchain technologies through things that look like art, through things that look like creative works that are um, that are fun that you can love, and that's the that's the role, uh, if you will, um, for this wall that we're working on called autonomy. Mm-hmm. That that easy. And so on one side of this, you have, of course, the artists that are submitting their their um, what are it, their NFTs or like give us a little bit more feel for kind of like the assets, I guess, um, that are held. Sure, sure. So what what it actually is is it's a collection of files, and these could be um, generative artwork, which is really uh, um, taking the world by storm right now. Taking the art world by storm right now, and 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 these are actual software that runs, and the artwork is different each time. Um, or they could be video files, or they could be audio. We've even done shows that are only audio, and so they take these mm. files and um, uh, then they they do something that people call minting, which is kind of a strange name for it. I mean, you you mint currency, you, you don't really mint art, but mm-hmm. um, what that does is it creates records that exist in the blockchain that can then be used to secure the ownership rights to that particular artwork. And it creates a provenance, so a history of who owned it when. And it also creates links to certain files that then can be stored in this distributed file system. So you get this decentralized way of not only um, purchasing the artwork, but also storing the artwork. So we help with all of that. that's 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 what it means when you go mint um, uh, when you mint an artwork and then the collector what they buy is some digital files and they get a record that exists in a public ledger and that that record is almost like a deed if you will or a title to your home or your car that um, that organizes the useful social and economic attributes of that thing so the the thing is the artwork the the deed or the title is the NFT. Hmm. Tell me a little bit more about the um, about the user experience for the collector. Like, like, how does that piece of it work? Yeah, we've done a lot of work on this side, and um, if anybody has um, tried at all to own digital assets, cryptocurrencies, NFTs, they'll they'll know it's a really painful experience. You're sort of presented now you, with now. You know why I asked the question. There you <laughs> and go. I looked, at, and right. I looked at your website too, autonomy.io, or one of them. Yeah. Um, and I saw the beautiful interface, so that's why I set you okay, up cool. that one. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> thanks for the layup. Yeah, it's been a really difficult experience. Um, the whole idea of a wallet is quite confusing. What you have are private keys. It's more like a keychain, and these keys allow you to transfer the ownership of records um, that exist in like a database, if you will. That's, that's what a blockchain is. And um, and then there's, there's rules that go along with um, the blockchain of how you can transfer these these things or how you can um, uh, hand them down, give them to people. And those are what they're calling smart contracts. And so you kind of bundle these things together and you have these keys that you use to control them, but it's all so technical. It's all so difficult. And then if you lose your keys, well, you, you lose your Bitcoin, you lose your cryptocurrencies, or you lose your, your artwork. And so people get afraid, and they do um, what we've done for centuries, and that's just let other people 
hang on to the keys. And those other people, they get hacked and, or, you know, or, or they, they steal those, those coins. I mean, that's, you know, theft and, mm-hmm. and, uh, fraud and theft are indistinguishable when it comes to cryptocurrencies and crypto assets. And so what we tried to do was to take a step back and say, look, everybody has in their pocket a, uh, a general purpose computing device that has a very, very secure chip on it. And we know it's secure because that's where Apple and Google store their secrets. And so how could we make a wallet that actually leveraged the, the capacity to store these secrets that everybody already has so they don't have to make it their problem? Because if you offload that problem to everyday people of, okay, how do you back up like some really, really complicated long strings of random numbers and make sure you don't lose that? You just have all sorts of problems. It's, it's dreadfully scary. So, Autonomy, I think, has one of the most elegant solutions of how to do that. Um, we don't offer that problem onto our customers, onto collectors. We help them. And then over the next, let's say, two to three months, um, we're going to have a way that would even allow for this kind of original failure mode, like the trust that I was talking about, where what happens if, okay, it's great, my phone is safe, but what happens if I get hit by a bus? Can my wife, can my family... Um, get access to my stuff. And so I think we've also solved that problem in a super elegant way. And um, that we'll be coming out with uh, probably early next year. But these are all, like, these are very early, very early days of solving some really important problems of how you make it easy and safe for uh, just everyday people to be able to um, begin to collect uh, not just digital artwork, but all types of digital assets. And the reason is that I really do believe, this goes back to the mission, the first mission question, is that I really do believe that the next generation of wealth will be created within these digital properties. Hmm. Well said, Sean. And uh, I'll just tell you, I, uh, I look forward to watching the continued growth of, of the company and, and this project. And uh, I, I just love when entrepreneurs find like their, what, they're, what they're going to do next. And just their, their passion, that thing that just keeps them up at night. And it sounds to me like this is the one that keeps you up at night in terms of business ideas, I mean. Um, this, is what, this is what keeps you up at night is solving these problems and uh, figuring out how to add value to the marketplace through Bitmark and, and what you're doing. And uh, it's exciting. It's exciting to me to, to, watch, to watch this happen. Um, that being said, Sean, uh, it's been great having you on the show today i just have to ask um what's next i mean what's next for you what's next for bitmark i think we're just on the cusp of being able to really bring um the masses into this space so a a very fair criticism of all of the crypto blockchain web3 space is that it's been very niche, and it's been very focused on financial trading. It hasn't really created much value for the world. And um, when I first looked at this space, when I first understood what was actually happening with Bitcoin, this idea of a, uh, of a global borderless monetary system, I was just absolutely enthralled with that vision. I thought it was incredible. And the reason that we started working on digital property rights is that as anybody knows, like money and property, they always go together. Like before you can say who gets what money, it's okay, well, who owns what? And so with this idea of people owning, and even if it's something as simple as an artwork, 
it gets them in the door. People are excited about it. I think digital art is really the first mainstream, like true mass market use case of blockchain technologies. And I think we're just on the cusp of being able to show that to a significantly larger audience and to do it in a way that actually is easy and safe. So really, um, Adam, it's just iterating on that vision. How do we bring a significantly larger audience into the space? Because there's just such an incredible opportunity for both social and economic wealth to be created here. Yeah, I agree with that one um, completely. Uh, that being said, Sean, if somebody's watching this and they want or listening to this and they want to follow up and learn more about Bitmark or autonomy or any or any of your other work, um, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, you bet. So we don't update our own websites that much. Uh, I am um, uh, accessible most easily, I would say, on Twitter. So um, uh, Moskovich, M-O-S-K-O-V-I-C-H, that's my uh, username. Um, but please do reach out. I love talking. Uh, I really love getting feedback. Critical feedback's the best. Awesome. And, uh, we'll definitely, uh, be sure to post all of that information into the, uh, into the show notes so that our audience can just click on the links and, uh, head right on over and follow you. And, uh, speaking of the audience, if this is your first time tuning into a Mission Matters episode or, um, or connecting, we're all about bringing on business owners, entrepreneurs, and executives and having them share their mission, the reason behind their mission, um, really what we can all learn from that so we can all gain and grow together. If that's the type of content that sounds interesting or fun or innovating to you, hit that subscribe button because we have many more mission-based individuals coming up on the line and we don't want you to miss a thing. And Sean, really, it has been a pleasure. Thanks again for coming on the show. Thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it.